We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. The Indiana Pacers take down the Sacramento Kings with a very short-handed Pacers team. 126, 121. And here to talk to me about this game is Tyler Smith from Indie Sports Legends. Tyler, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going great, man. The uh, late night podcast, we uh, got the job done. And if you're going to stay up late, you really hope it's after a win and the Pacers survived. I mean, that that's a great way to put it because it felt like this game was, you know, the Pacers to run away with. And then all of a sudden, the Sacramento Kings put on a little full court press and the Pacers could not figure things out. And that is what happens when you only have one primary ball handler on the roster that is active and healthy. Um, obviously, in this game, there's a lot of injuries, like I mentioned early on. No Andrew Nimhart, no Aaron Neesmith, obviously no Tyrese Halliburton. Bruce Brown was traded with Jordan Wara. Pascal Siakam, he's in Indiana. He'll be out for the next game against the Portland Trailblazers. So a lot of injuries piled up here. Isaiah Jackson gets injured in the middle of the game. Jalen Smith was dealing with a stomach issue. I'm just telling you, Tyler, the injuries were piling up. It felt like it was 2021 all over again. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But, man, we, we've been talking all year about the depth of this team. And, and you know, when it's tested, next man up, next lineup, it seems like all five guys 
uh, huge minutes from Jairus Walker and some other guys stepping up. Man, it's uh, it's amazing to to win a game like that, and also amazing to say the following sentence that the Pacers were without their two All Stars in this game. How fun is that to say? That is a, that is a lot of fun, and you know, Tyler, uh, we haven't talked about Pascal Siakam, so we're going to close things out. Final like ten-ish minutes, probably talking about that. Want to jump into this game though a little bit? You talk about it. Seven guys in double figures here. Jarris Walker getting extended playing time with the injuries and with everybody being out. So 20 minutes tonight, 15 points on 6 of 13 shooting. Probably one of his best games of his NBA career, no doubt about it. But the fact that this was the first time he's gotten in double figures, I thought that was impressive. And I'm just curious, what kind of growth are you seeing from Jarris Walker so far? Well, I love the confidence, first of all. I mean, for him to... You know, typically when a guy is selected that high in the draft, they they get minutes right away. But um, he is, you know, taking it all like a champ. Um, I love, you know, kind of hearing Carlisle's uh, comments about him, you know, week to week. Seems like he mentions how he's progressing. You know, we see it some with the Mad Ants. And then, uh, you know, in tonight's game, huge game for him, even if he doesn't see the floor much after tonight. Um, just a huge night for his confidence, a glimpse of the future. Love how the Pacers were, you know, holding firm on, you know, not trading him um, even to get an all-star. But he needs to stay ready. And I thought, you know, especially those two threes early in the fourth quarter, showing that kind of poise and confidence, um, you know, for for a guy that's not played very much is, you know, it's it's big. And, uh, and I think another thing is Carlisle's talked about how he's starting to understand rotations a little bit more and he's – before the the trade, he said he's getting real close uh, to getting a look. So we'll see if that happens now with kind of a log jam at the position. But the fact that he stayed ready and stayed confident was big. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I was really interested to see how he would play with extended time. And we actually even saw him play some small forward, which they had Obi Toppin and Jalen Smith out there. And it didn't look too clunky. I think if he can continue to knock down the three at a good rate, I mean, three of eight is a pretty good percentage. Um, and, and, you know, you're not asking Jairus to be a, you know, a Buddy Hill type shooter on the norm. You're just asking him to knock down threes here and there. But that was one part of his game that he really did not showcase much in summer league nor in college. And he's starting to kind of grow into that. And we already know he can really read the floor well. And I think he had some really nice passes in this game, some very good anticipation passes as well, trying to find guys and get them to the open spot. But you know, this was a this was a tough game just because of all the different lineup combinations these guys had not played with before, and I think that does make it a little bit challenging. You you asked Ben Shepard kind of to play some backup point guard minutes. Same with Buddy Heal. Buddy Heal, I think he was one assist away, Tyler, from tying his career high of nine assists. So I was hoping Buddy would break that in Sacramento. Obviously, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but um, just a really solid game overall from everybody. I, I think one guy we do need to talk about for a quick minute here is Benedict Matherin. 37 minutes in this game. Tyler led the team in scoring with 25 points. The growth from Matherin, uh, obviously the different role changes he's had all season long, but just that that growth that he's had, I think it's been huge for the, the success of the Pacers and what they can look like moving forward. Yeah, it's huge. You know, coming into the year, it's kind of like, you know, can Matherin take that jump um, to be – you know, that second or third option on a good team. And in the last, I would say, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 games, um, he has just looked really impressive. He's looked kind of at some of his best moments from last year is is now turning into a consistent effort um, night in and night out. So uh, I believe the Pacers are 21 and 10 
when he scores in double figures. I think they're either seven and two or eight and two when he scores twenty. Um, so just to, just again, to, and I like tonight to step up and, and log that many minutes. There's been some nights when he's had you know between you know seventeen and twenty minutes, even when he's playing well because of the depth of this team. So um, to put in thirty seven minutes and and still have uh, four assists, three rebounds, had two blocks, had a steal, put the team on his back at times when they needed some points. So this is huge, and, and the fact that the Pacers will have a couple All Stars, and you know this guy who's who's coming along like this uh, says a lot for the future of this team. Yeah, you you can see the growth from him already so far this year, and and now it's just going to be interesting to see how things play out with all of the new acquisitions that have been brought into the Pacers and how it just kind of ruffles and shuffles the offensive lineup, the defensive lineup, and and really starting rotation. I, I think that there's a good case you can make that it's Andrew Nimard, it could be Benedict Mather, and it could be Buddy Hield. I think Rick Carlisle has options. On this game, though, Tyler, Pacers end up holding off a, a, a huge storm from the Sacramento Kings with this with this full-court press. I have to say that the fact that the Sacramento Kings went 18 of 32 really ended up turning out to be the difference in the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime uh, I'd be interested to see the the numbers, you know, for an NBA team, you know, shooting like that, uh, you know, that not going to win many games, um, especially when you're facing a team that shoots 55% from the field and, and almost 40 from three. And uh, really, they just ran out of time, thankfully, for the Pacers. I mean, if that game was 30 seconds longer, could have gone the other way. But, you know, Pacers uh, get outscored in both the third and fourth quarters, but they had... Uh, obviously uh, built themselves up a nice lead, nice little cushion uh, to get the job done anyway. So we're uh, we're thankful for the uh, the lack of uh, foul shooting and the fact that the Kings ran out of time and um, have to look at the numbers. I think the Pacers are also something, there's a crazy good number when they give up less than uh, 127 points and they did it again tonight for the win. Yeah, I'll say it felt like, you know, Harrison Barnes was not effective in this game. One for two from the field for just two points, one rebound, one assist. He was non-existent. Malik Monk played 26 minutes. He only had nine points on nine shots. And then De'Aaron Fox, I, I didn't think he really played that well tonight. It was like he got going the last, you know, fourth quarter. I, I mean, in the, in the fourth quarter, he got going. But I feel like two or three of those baskets were during that press break and they were getting rebounds and just going out in transition. And he was getting easy dunks. It didn't feel like he shot the ball you know, very well tonight. And Kevin Herter really kind of carried this team, especially in that third quarter, but then he pretty much cooled off in the fourth. So I felt like this Kings team last year was really, really good. They're still playing pretty solid basketball, 23 and 18, right where the paces were at last year when they were at the halfway point of 41 games. But I don't know. I feel like this Kings team to me, it's it's not nearly as good as it was last year, or maybe just the the rest of the Western conference has gotten that much better. Yeah, I haven't uh, followed that team much this year, but I was looking up some things before tonight's game, and I actually expected, you know, a, a better home record. I mean, they're they're decent at home, but I thought it was one of the tougher places to play, and you know, especially last year. But yeah, whatever it is, uh, maybe more parity in the league. Maybe, as you said, some some teams figuring them out a little bit. Um, but whatever the case, it's still a really impressive win, even if the Pacers were full strength uh, to win at Sacramento in the middle of a long road trip and a really a crazy month, uh, crazy schedule in the month of January. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big win. And, uh, again, those free throws 
missing those free throws were huge. Um, looks like Fox finished eight of 20, uh, missed the, the key one that could have tied the game and had one of those famous, uh, Quinn Buckner calling it off the, off the hands, which you love when it's a miss. Yeah. You love when he calls those. <laughs> Uh, Quinn Quinn is a treasure, man. I don't care if any. I used to sometimes get annoyed, but now I just love it. I just I I can't get enough. Like we know it's not going to last forever with Quinn Buckner. I mean, maybe he is 85, 90 years old at some point calling games <laughs> for my kids, but I just don't think that's going to be the case. So I'm just trying to enjoy it while I can. But you know, we've gotten this far into the podcast, and we haven't even talked about potentially one of the bigger storylines, or at least it would have been a few years ago, and that's Turner versus Sabonis. I mean. This is a this is a duo that was together for a little while. They they played next to each other. It it worked out to some degree, but it had a ceiling to it. The Pacers clearly reached that ceiling with that group, and it, it wasn't going to get any further. But you know, Demontis Sabonis has another triple double. Ends up getting into foul trouble a little early on, and I think he only had one made field goal in in the second half so just it's just weird to me i don't know if you feel the same way but it is just kind of weird to even at this point still to be rooting against demonte sabonis in a basketball game yeah it's a little strange you know it's uh at least we're a little bit removed from it now but you know i wish that guy well he's quite a beast uh, for indiana he uh you know kind of helped put them back on the map after the paul george saga um so the pacers owe him a lot and I think I remember even on this podcast years ago, uh, as we're talking about in, in the many debates of Turner Sabonis, one of the arguments um, for dealing Sabonis over Turner was the fact that the return would be uh, likely quite a bit greater. And the fact that they got Halliburton is just still blows my mind that they were able to get that caliber of player. And, and Halliburton has you know far exceeded even my expectations for what he could be. So um, just really great scenario for. Both guys, both teams. It was fun. Um, even there at the end, you see when when Turner was in the wrong spot and the the foul, you know, foul shot and Matherin's signaling to him yes. like uh, you stand there and he just you know taps the bonus. I'm like, oh look, former you know former friends still <laughs> still friends probably, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah, it, it really is. And I mean, I, I felt like, you know, both Turner and Sabonis had good moments in this game. Obviously, there were some rough moments there for Turner and for Sabonis, too. So it wasn't a perfect game from either of them, but still a pretty competitive battle between the two. And then our good friend Chris Duarte did not get to play in this game. I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I don't really know what's going to happen with Chris Duarte and his long term, you know, future with the Sacramento Kings. Obviously, kind of ran out of room here at the log jam with the Pacers. Where do you think the next opportunity for Chris Duarte lies? That's a good one. I don't know if it's going to be with Sacramento either. Um, I think in the right situation, he could be a guy that, especially off the bench, can can come and get some buckets. But, um, you know, being being older uh, out of the draft and then, you know, a couple years in and a couple injuries, um, it's, a, it's a tough one because you see a lot of guys that are similar to that where some just kind of fade off into the background and they never really catch on. And then some other guys can be 27, 28, 29 years old and they find themselves in a better spot and they kind of, you know, take off from there and earn themselves a role. So hopefully whether it's Sacramento or somewhere else, he finds a, a fifth where he can at least be productive uh, NBA player off the bench. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we all saw a glimpse of what he could become that first year here with the Pacers before all the injuries happened. I think the injuries have kind of just set him back and it, it may have even played a bit of a mental game on him just because you're trying to work back. You get another nagging injury, you land on Kyle Lowry's foot, you know, it's just, 
it's just unfortunate stuff that happens and you just can't ever get into a rhythm. So, you know, I, I never root against anybody that was drafted here. I really hope the best for Chris Duarte. And I think that there's still good basketball left in him. I just think he needs to find the right opportunity and the Pacers did what they could and got rid of him was, you know, by trading to Sacramento to open up that spot to get Obi Toppin. So I thought that was a very strong move. And then Obi Toppin in this game, I, I, I was actually surprised. He had the best plus minus out of anybody with a plus 21. Obi Toppin had a really good defensive sequence where he blocked Malik Monk's shot. I don't know if you remember that play or not, but that was a huge possession there, Tyler, where you can kind of just see like some of the flashes of like what makes Obi Toppin kind of interesting as a player. Um, Still trying to figure out exactly how he fits on this team now that they've got Pascal and Jairus Walker at the four position. But right now, I, I think that he is a really nice fit off the bench for this team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and since that move to the bench, I mean, things have clicked really for him and for the squad. I mean, if you're talking the importance of Jalen Smith uh, starting and, and helping on the defensive end and rebounding, um, but also give credit to Toppin, who has, you know, taken that role in stride himself and put up some amazing numbers. I, I tweeted tonight, he's around 60% from the year from the field, 
and 42 or 43% from three. Um, he's only a couple buckets shy of um, matching last year's field goal total uh, for the Knicks. And, you know, Knicks fans are still in Twitter mentions for some reason talking about Obi Ruffin, like they're obsessed with the guy or something. But uh, he's uh, really carved out a nice role. And, and uh, yeah, there's kind of a log jam, which is a good problem to have. But um, my guess is they end up keeping him and he ends up, you know, logging the backup four minutes for the most part. Uh, especially how well he's done in that role, but and if he can continue, you know, giving some nice, uh, some nice defense compared to where he was at earlier in the year. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think at this point right now, it just kind of comes down to who's going to end up being the backup center for this team. Is it going to be Jalen Smith? Is it going to be Isaiah Jackson when they finally get everything with the roster healthy? And I and I think that's where you're going to look at Pascal Siakam playing the power forward spot. Obi's the backup. Where does that put Jalen Smith? Because he's been playing a lot of power for the last 13 games since the team has changed that starting lineup. And now they are, I believe, 10-3, and three, Tyler, since making that starting lineup change. So it just goes to show you how good this Pacers team is playing. They had a few hiccups, lose to Boston, you lose to, you lose to Denver, you lose on the second night of a back-to-back in altitude against one of the hottest teams in the Utah Jazz. I mean, the three losses the Pacers have suffered the last 13 games, they're really quality losses. I mean, there's no way you can look at those and say, oh man, this team's really starting to fall behind. I really feel like they were pretty competitive in all those games, except really the one against uh, against the Jazz, but they were so undermanned too. I just, it's hard for me to really chalk that one up as anything other than just a really tough scheduled game, but I've been really impressed the last 13 games. Yeah, especially that loss in Denver. I was like, there's nothing, nothing negative to take away from that loss. Um, and then, you know, never losing to Boston or uh, a hot team like Utah. But I remember when the Pacers fell to 14 and 14 and I shared the upcoming schedule and rightfully so the replies were basically like this team is probably going to be sunk because of how difficult the schedule was. And then sure enough, that's when the Pacers get hot. Then they lose Halliburton and they still are holding their own. I mean, Obviously, compared to last year when they had like a one in ten stretch without Halliburton, and you know they figured they were were better suited um, to handle injuries this year. But combine that with the tough schedule and the road trip and the tough teams they were playing, they're more than holding their own. January is the toughest month schedule wise, and we're here, uh, you know, two thirds of the way through January, and this is still a team at twenty four and seventeen at the halfway point, right in the thick of things in the East. And now making that big trade, and uh, now they go. Absolutely. I mean, I'm really excited to kind of see where this team goes now that they do have that second all-star in Pascal Siakam and see how Tyrese Halliburton kind of adjusts his game to to cater to a Pascal. I I think there's a lot of things here to be excited about, but this is a big one for the Pacers on the road. Not going to toot my own horn, but I did predict on this podcast last week that I felt like the Pacers were going to actually beat the Kings on the road trip. I said... Nobody's going to expect that. We're all going to expect this to be a loss, and the Pacers are going to win this game. I said I think they're actually going to go three and three. Potentially could go four and two. I'm going to say three and three. They beat the Hawks, Kings, and Blazers. That was my that was my prediction. Right now, Tyler, it's not looking too bad. Yeah, it's looking like a a great prediction, and especially with uh, you know Siakam probably playing against Portland. Um, yeah, this is would you say probably the third, maybe the third time this year that you know. Uh, the Pacers pull out one of these wins. You got a guy like McConnell who's like built for nights like this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like the backs against the wall and undermanned, and then McConnell just goes off and, you know, 
uh, it's been it's happened a few times this year. So yeah, it's a great call to to get this win. Okay, let's let's kind of move into this now with Pascal Siakam. I wanted to get your thoughts on the trade because you've been covering this Pacers team for for a long time now, and you know we haven't really seen the Pacers ever do anything like this. And just just to kind of close, I guess the game a little bit, and then talk about Pascal. But like when the when a team makes a trade like this, that can kind of really alter the mood of the team and maybe mess with the emotions of things because you're trading away two guys that I think were pretty beloved in that locker room and Bruce Brown and Jordan Mora. What can be the the pros and cons of making a trade like that, but uh, in terms of like overall team chemistry and just the way it affects the locker room morale, but also bringing a guy like Pascal and like how does that kind of change things too for like your expectations for what he could look like against the Portland Trailblazers? Well, I think the dynamic can be completely different depending on the locker room and your roster construction. Um, one of the things I've told fans is that I think that the team chemistry of this particular group is so incredibly strong. It's unlike anything I've really seen before that any move or two, like, yeah, it can sting a little bit, but it's not going to really taint the overall um, team chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you bring a guy in who is, maybe not always been great in the locker room before, which is not the case here, but let's say they, they you know pulled someone in who wasn't great in the locker room. I feel like they would bring him in and, and he'd fit right in because of how good the chemistry is with, you know, one through 15, so many, you know, great dudes uh, playing for this team. So, and then when you bring in a guy who's a two-time all-star, you know, that, that obviously impacts things and can help. And, uh, you know, team morale has got to be sky high. Um, especially with the Halliburton kind of a seal of approval. He's been talking to him for, for a month or so from what it sounds like. So <laughs> it's a bit of a shock, a bit of a, a downer, but I think the guys are thinking, Hey, this is part of the business and this is, this is good business because we are, you know, getting a stud and uh, we're in even better position than before. So I think he's going to fit in great. I uh, love the fit, love the trade, excited to see in this first game expected to play against Portland. So um, he's probably, probably touched down uh, early this evening, uh, going from Indy to there, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to watch. This is a great team to kind of get your, your, you know, your first game against. The Portland Trailblazers, obviously they lost. The Pacers did to Portland at home in one of the ugliest games, if not the ugliest of the season, in my opinion. I'm just going to throw it out there at you. I mean, do you feel like this is the perfect game for you to kind of bring uh, Pascal Siakam into the fold. Obviously they're on this road trip and they need him with all those bodies down, but like just to kind of get his feet wet a little bit and learn some of the new offensive system that Rick Carlisle runs. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, was it, uh, somebody mentioned that the, the Pacers have made some trades when they're out West and it's been kind of a nice thing because you're bonding on team road trips together. The only thing I wish is I, I do wish they had a day in between, um, mm-hmm. But still, you know, that's probably the only negative. Um, and the Pacers, the, the remaining players, know uh, that they let one get away against this team. So that's that's got to be helpful. And over the last couple of years, they've definitely held their own in back-to-backs because of the the youth, I think, of the team. But, yeah, I'd say it's it's a good uh, good time to, to have him on. And, you know, even some guys that logged uh, big minutes tonight, they'll get to get a reinforcement um, in, in the biggest way uh, coming for tomorrow. Yeah, Portland has lost seven of their last nine games, and this is the last uh, game of their three-game homestead here before they go on the road. 
and 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 take on the Lakers, the Thunder, and the Rockets, and the Spurs. Excuse me, it's a four-game uh, road trip. So they're going to have their hands full. I'm sure they're going to be looking for a victory, just knowing this is probably one of their last home games for the next couple of weeks or the next week plus. So obviously, Pacers, they just got to not let this Sacramento game be a hangover game and make them feel like, okay, we got the win. Now we can take our foot off the gas against Portland. I think this is where they really got to put their foot down because – this is a team trying to create separation in the standings right now. You talked about it. Right now, they're seventh in the Eastern Conference, twenty-four and seventeen, same record as the Miami Heat, who are uh, who are six in the East. So, the Pacers though are only a game back from the four spot, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's kind of interesting. Still, they're only three back from Philadelphia, three. So, not saying that it's going to happen, but it does feel like if the Pacers can really click and get things going, get Tyrese back, him and Pascal click pretty well. It's not the hardest month in February. I think there's a good chance this Pacers team could push for a top four seat. Which is wild, you know, considering uh, basically the the consensus from experts and fans coming into this year is like, yeah, they'll probably have a chance to be a playing team, maybe you know, maybe six seed at the absolute best. Um, now it kind of feels like, you know, this team is, it would be a disappointment, obviously, if they're a playing team, they want to be, you know, higher than that and secure a, a regular playoff spot. But the fact that they even have that opportunity, you know, anywhere from, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, that, that kind of range, um, maybe higher if things go really well, but uh, to have that opportunity um, and then to be, you know, probably the team that nobody wants to face come playoff time is very exciting. And the fact that we just reached the halfway point is also exciting to know how much, you know, pace for basketball we have to look forward to that that actually means something the rest of the way. Absolutely. So, Tyler, I want to kind of wrap things up here, but I have four questions I want you to answer. So you can elaborate as long as you want. I don't want to, you know, hold you to anything, but I'm just wanted to get your thoughts on these four topics. So the first question I have is, who do you think the starting five is now that Pascal Siakam's in the mix? And we're going to assume Tyrese Halliburton is healthy in this scenario. I would say for the most part, you got your three guarantees, those two guys and Miles Turner. Um, when he's healthy, I really like Neesmith at the three. And then what's cool is I am now in the, like under the impression that uh, it, it really doesn't matter as much as before who you start at the two. Um, because the the other four are so strong and and so balanced, um, so yeah, I, I'm going to trust Rick Carlisle in this because if it's you want some shooting and you want Mathurin to continue to cook off the bench, um, if that's the way you want to go, that's great. If you want some, if you want Mathurin who's you know playing great the last 10, 11 games, and you want healed off the bench, that's great as well. And then obviously Nimhard has that experience too and can do a lot of good things for you. So. I'm going to guess that uh, Heald gets the nod more times than not. But I could really see, you know, any of those three guys. But I think the other four are fairly set. Um, but I would say Heald, I'll, I'll just give him the nod for now. Yeah, I think it kind of makes sense since Turner, Pascal, and Heald are all kind of in the same age group right there. Probably not on the younger side of things like uh, the Tyrese's and, and the Benedict Matherins and the Jairus Walker. So they're more in like the hey, we're veterans trying to win now. So it, it does make some sense, and I think that's what we decided on last night that we would go with Buddy Heald. And so the next question I have is, do you think there's any more trades that come with this roster? I'm probably 50-50 on this. 
And what's great is that's uh, even that's higher than what has, you know, kind of transpired over the last several years in terms of, you know, being a buyer. Obviously, there's been some other deals and some smaller deals. <clears throat> um, but the fact that the Pacers make this huge splash and still have so many assets and so many things they still could do, analog jam in the front court, those kind of things. Um, but at the same time, you know, this the, the remaining players, it is a luxury to have so much depth. You look at a guy like McConnell, who's coming in as your third string point guard, look how important he has been on certain nights. Mm-hmm. Um, the same could be said for, you know, let's say Smith and Jackson are your, you know, second and third string centers. Um, you know, that third string guy is going to be needed on some nights, maybe even often if there's an injury of some kind. So I think they're going to be looking for ways to upgrade. I would love for this team to still add a wing defender who can also rebound, even if it's not a big name. I don't really know. Haven't looked too much into what could be out there. Um, you know, there's some intriguing possibilities for sure, but, you know, I'll say 50-50 if you're going to, if you know, if I have to answer for sure, I would say that, uh, yes, they make one more trade, but could see it going either way. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. I feel like you can make the case for just leave the roster as it is and it's going to be fine. I think it's good enough and deep enough to compete. But at the same time, do they want to get some reassurances? I mean, are they worried at all about Andrew Nimhard's up and down injury concerns? Maybe do they want to add another point guard or another combo kind of guard that can play some point? So they do get in a situation they and they need some point guard depth. They don't have to rely on, you know, Ben Shepard, Buddy Hill to kind of play that role. Um, they did okay. Maybe Pascal can handle a little bit more now since he's here. But that's really interesting. Um, I threw this out on the podcast after the, the Siakam trade, and it's been kind of floated around Twitter. A guy that's been linked to Indiana for a long time is Gordon Hayward, and there's been some potential buyout candidate talk around him. And I'm curious your thoughts on if Indiana – would make sense for him and for the Pacers if he does become an available player to buy on the uh, the buyout market. Yeah, that's uh, that's an intriguing one. I think that they would at least consider that. I mean, again, as you said, I, I can't remember the last time they weren't linked to him. Obviously, with the uh, for a while it was Turner for him, or was um, you know trying to go to, after him a while back in free agency, and there's you know a lot of trade offers or potential there but uh i think that he's a very talented player the hometown connection um i feel like he's also a guy that would understand if he's bought out and he comes into the situation that you know it's not quite the same situation as some of his others that he's been in i think he would appreciate being home and having a chance to be on a winner so um i think he would be for it i think the pacers would at least consider it and uh That'd be a lot of fun. You continue to get butts and seats, you know, as they're yeah. not going to have much, much problem with that as, as they have in years past, a lot of sellouts recently, and that'll continue, but that would only add to the intrigue, I think. Yeah. I think fans can get behind a minimum contract compared to 30 some million dollars for a guy that's been injury prone the last couple of years. So yep. uh, don't want to make a trade for him, but if he's available on the buyout market, I think it makes sense. My last question for you, it's a little more of a fun one here. Who leads the Pacers in scoring? Once they play together, Pascal Siakam, Tyrese Halliburton, for the rest of the time they play together uh, this season, who do you think leads the team in scoring? I think it's still going to be Halliburton. I think it's going to be close. Um, I could see both guys, you know, you know, maybe uh, – I was thinking of Siakam, if he can just do what he was doing in Toronto, 22, 23 points. I saw he actually averaged uh, 
t- about 25 in December mm. and was averaging 23.3 so far in January. So he can put up points like, I mean, he had a couple back-to-back games at 35 and 36 at the end of the year and, and start of the year. Um, luxury for the Pacers to have a guy who can put you on his back and go off even if Halliburton's uh, out or he's off or he's, you know, racking up 25 assists and, and not scoring as much. Uh, but I'll go Halliburton barely just because I think the ball's in his hands so much and he's been so hot, uh, especially from three, that I'll give him the slight edge. For the season, Tyrese Halliburton, 23.6 points per game. Pascal Siakam, 22.2 according to ESPN stats and information. So that is definitely an interesting thing to keep an eye on. But Tyler, I definitely kept you longer than we had talked about. It's a late night and it's hard to keep track of time. So I apologize for that. But thank you so much for your time. Go ahead and take this time to let everybody know where they can find you at on social media and plug anything you'd like to plug. For sure. You can follow me on Twitter, Tyler Smith underscore ISL. I've been doing a lot of writing for journal review out of Crawfordsville and uh, any sports legends. And, uh, you know, this evening I took my my daughters to Disney on Ice at Gamebridge. So nice. I I've just been buzzing all night from Elsa to Moana to getting home just in time to watch the big pacer win to being on setting the pace. It's been a heck of a night. What a, what a night for you, man! I mean that that goes down <laughs> as a legendary Thursday night in the beginning of 2024. Uh, <laughs> I am jealous. Disney on Ice. Who's your favorite Disney on Ice character? Well, uh, tonight, the, the Moana scene with Maui and Moana was pretty epic, I must say. Man, you, you can't be Moana, <laughs> you know. I, I, there's no doubt about that. So, everybody, make sure you find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex Golden NBA, my co-host, Mike Focci, who's not here today, at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. Hope you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel, Setting the Pace, youtube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. And if you haven't already seen it, Setting the Pace has a brand new billboard advertisement out there on I-65 heading into Indianapolis uh, just past the county line or right before the county line road exit. So make sure you guys stop by there, see it, let us know you saw it. That'd be awesome. But with that being said, we will talk to y'all later this week. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.